Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Court of Books and Booze, our basement book club. I am Skylar, and with me today, as always, are Jessica and Amanda. We're hey. just chilling. First time recording in a little while. A few weeks. Getting back in the groove of things. It's a hectic season. I shouldn't have wore the sweatshirt. I'm sweating. <laughs> it's fine. Most take it off, or do you just have the sweatshirt? I, I mean, I could take it off. This is no because we're not gonna judge. No, because then we'll go back to the whole stripper conversation with Mister Skywalker, and I'm not doing it. I never wanted to hear that name again, Mister Skywalker. Mister Skywalker is here. It's a horrible day in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like seriously sweating. <laughs> Because you guys are here. It's do you, okay. Do you need a t-shirt? Dude, maybe. We might have to pause this in the middle. I don't know. <laughs> just just let me know. <laughs> it's fine. You see the sweat beads coming. It's it's time. And we won't judge. Gosh. So that's how I'm doing. That's how it's going right now for you. Yeah. But it has been a minute since we've been in here, so. At least recording for the main series. Yeah. 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 So what are you drinking tonight? Oh, I'm drinking. I'm drinking. What is that? Beer. <laughs> that sunlight. It is Sun King Brewery Sunlight Cream Ale. And it is just the perfect beer you don't like it do you no i don't <laughs> you've liked most new things he's brought in but not that one not that one mm. i took one sip and i was like no thank you is it sun king sun cream sunlight sunlight where'd the cream come in it's cream, cream, it's ale. cream ale oh okay yeah i couldn't remember you, it's a long name i couldn't remember the full name listen sun king sun cream sun queen beer <laughs> is laura k bulky approved creamy beer Oh, is that the one we had when we went, or that you had when we went to the her last show? No, when she was on uh, Golden Image, because she lives in Indy, yeah. she uh, was talking about uh, Sun King, and mm, mm. she's like, I really love that cream ale. What a peach. She's a peach. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty great. We'll have to go to that show. Coming up. <laughs> yep. Recent events on a <laughs> podcast we record months and months in advance. What are you drinking, Amanda? Um, I have Twisted Tea. The huge. And separately, but not together, I have a can of Sprite. <laughs> I wanted to make that clear. Separ I do not mix those two. Separately, but not together. That hey, redundant, like, but effective. Like what we do here, reading the same book together, uh, but separately. Ooh. Got you there. Segway, go. <laughs> Have you tried their uh, Long Island iced teas yet? Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. I keep seeing them every time I go okay. to... So, so Twisted Tea, so they have like a couple like different flavors, right? So they have like the half and half. I just like usually drink the original ones. Mm -hmm. But they also have some flavors. I can't stand the peach. I can't. And I love peach flavored things. Hmm. I do not like the Twisted Tea peach flavor. No, 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 no. Not my thing. All right. When we went to Vegas... What month is it? <laughs> September? <laughs> a while ago. So, yeah, like a year and a half ago. 
um, they had, we went to a liquor store there and they had a twisted tea and I think it was like raspberry something. Mm. It was so good. Like honestly, probably one of my favorite flavors and I cannot find it here anywhere. Can you get it delivered? Indiana's weird about shipping alcohol. (laughs) But you can do it because Oliver will do it. That's just a lot of work that I have not put the effort into yet, but that is a good idea. So you're flying back to Vegas with a checked bag this time, so you can bring some home. Exactly. There you go. Because we were only there for a couple days. Three days, two nights. Yeah. So, because we flew back on the red eye, but it was so good, and I just can't find it anywhere. Any liquor store I go to, I always look, and I can't find it. Hmm. So... But if I go enough and get to know the owner, maybe he'll specially order it for me. <laughs> when has that happened before? I don't know. Whenever, when I went that, I told you this, when I went and got, um, stopped in the one in town and got some bee nectar stuff, like after we had really gotten into that, mm-hmm. I had picked up, I think it was, I don't remember which one of the two we've tried so far, but I went and got got one, and uh, he's like, I haven't gotten feedback on this yet, and I was just like, I'm going to tell you right now, it's really good. I had one last night. <laughs> and he's like, okay, good to know. But, you know, they can only order a certain amount of certain things. Sure. And, so they don't have a lot of bee nectar stuff, but... We've had the dude's rug and black fang. It might have it been yeah. black fang, like, right after we tried that, and he's like, I haven't gotten feedback on this yet, and I was like, it's good. Keep ordering it. Fantastic. We'll we'll plan our trip up there. Yeah, we need to. But that'll just be that'll be Saturday trip. We could do it with all of our free Saturdays <laughs> for or Sunday if they're open. Is it up in Michigan? Right? Yeah. Yeah, just north of Detroit, just north of Flint, right? I think they're based out of Troy, which is a oh, there you go, suburb of Detroit. Yeah, mm. I think you're right. But yeah, big fan. Big fan of the twisted tea. Good deal. Yeah. Well, if you get a bottle of the their hard liquor, let me know. I want to try it. Martin's and Napanee has it for sure. Duly noted. <laughs> mm. Just what you drinking? You got something fancy over there. <laughs> Wouldn't call it fancy. It's wine poured from a bottle into a glass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have the ever-popular Oliver Winery uh, Moscato, um, but I've got a new flavor that Skylar recently got me. It's melon mint. It's got a watermelon on the front in the shape of a hot air balloon, <laughs> so it's cute. But I had a watermelon in the fridge, so I just I, I used my melon baller and put some little watermelon balls in my cup, and uh, I've got this nice little watermelony wine. And it's tasty. Oliver is like a book club favorite in here. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Another yeah. trip. Yeah. Usually For sure. Usually we've got the blueberry, but... The oh. cherry is so good, though, too. I really like the cherry Moscato. Mm. I think I've got lemon in the fridge, too. <laughs> we can make Oliver a whole weekend because it's down by Bloomington. So There's we a can lot do... of options. Mm. Oliver, stay in Ellettsville... Go to um, Hard Truth. Hard Truth. Find Cody's missing finger. It'll be a great, it'll be a great time. Cody, what's up? 
My gosh. So this week we're jumping back into Akatar, Akamath, Akawur. Nice. So we're, we're on book three of the series, we're yeah. We're on book three, Wings and Ruin. <laughs> All right. Who's ready to ugly cry? Me, I am. <laughs> oh, hey, hey. All hey. my cries are ugly. Um, As of the time of recording this episode, Golden Jay has officially finished Throne of Glass, the complete series. And he said he only cried a little bit at the end of Kingdom of Ash. Now that he's finally finished it, he was keeping pace so well as we went through that. And then we got to like Tower of Dawn and Kingdom of Ash. And he's just like, oh, I'm going to wait a month for each of these. <laughs> he said his big his big thing was the Gabriel, the Gabriel death. So. A spoiler alert. If you guys haven't read that yet. Oh, listen. That was episode... Eight. Eight. Doesn't mean they've listened to it. They don't even know who it is then. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening to Akatar, I'm sure (laughs) you have read Throne of Glass, don't you think? Actually, most people's order are Akatar, then Throne of Glass, then Crescent City. Hmm. Of the three. I honestly... what ours is. Yeah. I wish I would have read it that way. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) It's no one's fault. You guys were already in Throne of Glass. I was the one that jumped in and is like, hey, podcast? Question (laughs) mark? Just like that, too. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. So, but I think I would appreciate Throne of Glass more. I don't know, because I feel like I I need to go back and, like, revisit some things. Like, it's been a minute since... I've For read real. Throne of Glass, so that's okay. We'll go back through and revisit everything before mm-hmm. our Mass Verse episode. So, but then I feel like I reread Throne of Glass, and I'm like, okay, now I got to reread Akatar. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, Crescent City got reread it again. My, yeah. it, this might be a yearly read for me, honestly. <clears throat> so, so far I'm on year two of two. <laughs> Keep it up, champ. Me too. What the heck? <laughs> Great, right? I don't think I'll read Akatar again. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Court of uh, Wings and Ruin. Jessica? Right. It was published in 2017. Page count is 736. Trigger warnings include violence, war themes, death, PTSD. Genre is fantasy. The book starts with a flashback two years before the wall went up. Resand finds himself in the aftermath of war, and he's searching the battlefield um, after fighting just to make sure that he doesn't come across Cassian and Azrael. In the present time, Feyre is with Tamlin in the Spring Court, pretending to be the saved damsel they believe her to be. They don't know that she is High Lady of the Night Court. She attends a meeting with Ianthi, who she hates for betraying her sisters, and Tamlin announces that Highburn will be moving their forces into the Spring Court. Jurian arrives along with the Highburn twins, Branna and Dagden. Feyre, Lucian, Jurian, and the twins inspect holes in the wall that keep their forces from entering the human lands. Feyre arranges for the sun to shine on herself instead of Ianthi at the Summer Solstice Ceremony, which marks her as blessed to the people of the, of the Spring Court. 
After a nightmare, Feyre goes to Lucian and they embrace, which Tamlin walks in on making his own assumptions. Feyre wins the affection of Tamlin's men by siding with them against Ianthe during um, an altercation where keys went missing. Everything she is orchestrating puts a wedge between Tamlin and his people. Ianthe announces that the land around her temple is dying and she intends to find the cause. Three children of the Blessed are caught trying to uh, cross the wall, but Feyre scares them away. The next day, she and Lucian find their bodies torn to pieces by the Highburn twins. Alice tells Feyre that she is going to the summer court to meet her nephews and hints that she is aware of Feyre's situation with the knife. Feyre learns that the cauldron will be used to collapse the wall, and she decides to finally return to the night court after getting enough information. As she is leaving, she sees Ianthe abusing Lucian. Um, Feyre makes Ianthe smash her hand with a rock, and the Highburn twins approach and reveal that they have been poisoning Feyre's powers since they arrived. But Feyre still defeats them, and Lucian joins Feyre at the night court to see Elaine, who is his unrequited mate. On their journey, Lucian and Feyre are captured twice. The second time, they are rescued by Cassian and Asriel, and Feyre and Rhysand are reunited in Valaris. Feyre visits the House of Wind, where her sisters have been staying. Nesta is angry, and Elaine, who, uh, oops, and Elaine is a shell of herself, depressed and missing her human fiance. The Night Court Inner Circle has a meeting about Highburn where they decide they need to coax Feyre's sisters into fixing the hole in the wall. Feyre trains with Cassian and Asriel teaches her to fly. Reese and Feyre decide to recruit the Bone Carver to help them, and the Bone Carver's price is that they must bring him the Ouroboros Mirror. Reluctantly, Nesta agrees to help fix the wall, as well as join them to visit the Court of Nightmares. While others ask for aid, and Feyre tries to get the mirror. The court leader, Kier, says he will help the Night Court if he can have access to Valaris. Rhysand agrees, and Moore is furious that he made this bargain with her, or with him. Feyre learns that some that look in the mirror lose their mind, and she decides not to take it at that time. Amran explains that the bone carver must be bound to a body to be set free to be able to help them in battle. Lucian tries to heal Elaine's mind with their mating bond and is unsuccessful. During flight training with Azriel, Feyre is not doing well, and so he tells her the story of how Nafel saved Miriam, even though her wings were small and malformed. The Highburn Ravens attack Nesta and Feyre in the library. They pass by a strange pit where something evil lives at the bottom. Feyre makes a bargain with the monster. It will kill the Highburn Ravens if she brings it company. They soon realize that Elaine was made a seer in the cauldron, and she tells them about another mortal queen sold to an evil lord. She is cursed and becomes a firebird every night. The queen, not Elaine. Lucian volunteers to find her. So he sets off on his own adventure. Highburn attacks the summer court, and when the night court arrives, they find that no one else has come to their aid and the court is being slaughtered. Moore and Feyre fight their way through the palace and Reese goes to the King of Highburn on his ships but find that the king is only an illusion. After battle, Feyre meets with Tarquin who is furious with her for stealing the book still. 
The Night Court meets with the High Lords in the Dawn Court at a round table. To their relief, all came, even Baron and Tamlin. Tamlin continuously insults Feyre the entire time. The High Lords agree that the Spring Court must be evacuated and that they must all take an antidote to protect their powers. Nesta believes they are in danger and warns Feyre that they need to return home immediately. It is revealed that Feyre has figured out that Lucian's father is Helion. A wave of power passes over the land, which means the cauldron has destroyed the wall sooner than expected. Nesta becomes sick as it happens. Feyre and the others go to Grayson, Elaine's fiancé, and ask him to shelter humans. Jurian arrives and tells everyone that he's actually a spy and has been trying to destroy Highburn from the inside. He says that Highburn is planning to attack the following day from the summer court, and Grayson breaks up with Elaine officially. There is a battle in the summer court, and they put a glamour over the war camp so that they can ambush Highburn without their knowledge. Feyre realizes that this isn't Highburn's true army, and she goes to the Surreal for answers. The Surreal says that Nesta must nullify the cauldron, and before they can learn more, Ianthe and two Highburn soldiers shoot the Surreal. Feyre leads Ianthe and the guards inside the weaver's cottage and traps them there, and she sits with the Surreal as it dies. Nesta finds the cauldron, but accidentally opens a link to Elaine, and Highburn captures her. Feyre disguises herself as Ianthe to sneak into Highburn's camp and rescue Elaine, and Azriel leaves with Elaine while Feyre tries to rescue an injured human. She finds trouble, but is saved by Tamlin. Um, Highburn's final attack is coming, so they winnow as many humans away as possible, and then begin the final battle. Done. <sighs> this was such a good book, guys. <laughs> Dude. It messed with my emotions. So bad. So bad. <sighs> okay, so we start where Feyre is now back with Tamlin in the spring court. Yes? That's where this whole book starts. Well, the very, very beginning. Well, resand, yes. Is that little point of view from Reese back in the previous war, walking through the battlefield, checking all the soldiers to make sure that nobody is Cassian and Azrael. And I think that that's, that kind of broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he even referenced that in an earlier book. Yeah. That that was a thing so I, it was nice to see just that little snippet of his point of view here's here's my issue right with just this this single chapter at the beginning of the book Sarah J Moss is so fucking good at world building that I want more I want I want four books on Reese's point of view Reese's point of view yes. I want a book on this war where he's trudging through just a swamp of dead bodies yeah i want everything i will never not want anything she has to write for me in this universe mm -hmm. yep <clears throat> it's just i mean you know 
Yeah, that that first chapter is a hot way to start this book. I I I don't know how long the list would be of the things that I want to read that we don't get to read and are just giving snippets of given snippets of. Well, because you end Mist and Fury on like such a cliffhanger to where it's like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And then, so you already know that this book is going to start out super hot anyway. Yeah. Because you got this awkward thing where she's going back with Tamlin. and She's a spy. Right. And you know that it's not, she's playing him the whole time. Yeah. So you already know it's going to start out super intense. Mm Mm-hmm. But I did not see that chapter coming. I was just like, wow. Interesting. So we've been listening to the graphic audio, the three of us. Mm-hmm. separately but together <laughs> <laughs> so when i started it because i didn't have the book open in front of me because i'm i'm sorry work but i'm usually listening at work sometimes and he <laughs> i can't hear, judge I, we're doing the same but if anyone thing. <laughs> at my job is listening <laughs> i no, still do my work okay but i hear his voice and i'm like what and he starts describing all the bodies that he's seeing and how he's just looking for his brothers. And I'm just like, what? I had to like keep it. I think I literally stopped and just paused and had to s- just sit and listen and couldn't function. Oh, she's not doing work. I was, that was the one time I wasn't doing work. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, I was not expecting that. And it was such a nice addition to the backstory that yeah. we have very limited knowledge of. I loved it. I want everything from his perspective. Just everything. The last 500 years. Give all. Give me them all. I love his voice so much. So much. So much. But yeah, it was, it was great. I appreciated that start. Yeah. Is that phase four, Sky? I'm sleeping with my eyes open. (laughs) Stop. (coughs) So she is back in the spring court. She is faking it till she makes it pretty much throughout each day. She is glamoring her tattoo. She is making the faces and the comments and the words that she thinks she, you know. That she should do. Lucian's not buying shit. <laughs> He's a smart cookie. He he has seen through her from the beginning, and he's just like, mm, I don't think you're, I don't think you're what you say you are. But he's not gonna say anything because what, what her is he sister say? is his mate, right? And he isn't gonna jeopardize. The possibility of getting like honestly, what a weird her. what a weird position to be in, for real. Honestly, like you know, your best friend's girl is here. You know she's lying, Not his girl, <laughs> right? But you went through all this stuff with him, and you saw him at his worst when she was gone, and everything he went through, and what he did, atrocious as it was to get her back, and then, but then like her sister, <sighs> you're bonded as a maid so what do you do what do you do i think that's exactly what he said to himself what what do i, I what do i do straight up like there was it's impossible rock in a hard place man i still really like him <laughs> yeah I, definitely 
you know, it was an I love Lucian first book. Not a fan of Lucian's second book. He was pissing me off and not acting how I felt like he should be acting as the character. But then book three comes and it, like I'm liking him again. Yeah, I think he really shines shines in this book. Yeah, yeah. especially later. Not, mm-hmm. He's not being held down. Yeah. In the later book and Yeah. Well, on top of just having the the emissary duties, you know, just with Tamlin having helped rescue him, I feel like he was just constantly feeling like he was indebted. having to be a certain way so it is what it is but she is even like she's doing a lot to um try and get tamlin's court to not be following him and that includes playing with lucian a little bit too honestly she does a really good job of planting those (laughs) seeds though because at some point, you know, like, she can only put in ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone has to be the ones to make the decision to not trust him, leave, yes. whatever the case. And she didn't ultimately know what the outcome was going to be, but the whole goal was to destroy from within. So she does a really good job of making herself the brute of a lot of punches and things mm-hmm. like that that come off as not okay. So everyone is seeing it. Yep. So they can be like, "Mm, maybe things are not as good as we thought that they were. Yeah. And then she's being overly kind and understanding to the members of his court, Mm -hmm. minus Ianthe and Lucian. Mm -hmm. It's a twisted game, man. And it was so good. She played it so well. Yeah. Beautifully written. For real. I, I love the first section of this book the Mm -hmm. espionage yeah it just the first time i read it it blew me away um i was like man it's it's so nice getting to see the main character of these books play Mm -hmm. and she plays hard Mm -hmm. oh yeah she's a smart woman she couldn't read well but she's a smart woman (laughs) it's honestly like I was thinking about this during this section of how smart she plays this compared to that innocent human girl she was in book one to where this was all new. She just trusted everything that was said to her. She's like, she's a completely different person. But yet, in some ways, still holds some of those same characteristics. Well, and then also, if you think about it, already had some of those characteristics even when she seemed like she was this innocent human because of course you know she was thrown into this place and and terrified and out of her element but she she was still scheming and cunning Mm -hmm. in the first book too so it's just she's improved (laughs) she's gotten better gotten more it's deadly so that's pretty great it was really really fun to read i enjoyed it I think I honestly my favorite part of this section is the the Kalanmai is the mm. summer festival summer festival right Kalanmai mm. Kalanmai where she steals the spot the spotlight from Ianthe no no that wasn't Kalanmai no Kalanmai is the mating yeah uh-huh. that was the solstice right. was that solstice yeah this was like um 
summer solstice or spring. Uh, I don't remember. Like Whatever the festival was where she she oh, literally man. took the spotlight off Anthony was... Callan May is mentioned later. This was the You're summer right. solstice yeah, yeah. ceremony, but Callan May was previous to that. I think Callan May is... Callan May is... is um, like the celebration of the transition from spring to summer. I think we're thinking Callan May because Lucian mentioned it because he took over the role for Tamlin. Exactly. Right. It yeah. was previous because she was not here at the time. Right. She but it, but it gets court. brought up after yeah, yeah, yeah. summer solstice happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When she was talking with Lucian. Yeah. So it was the summer solstice part where that was so badass. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> they all had to get up early and go to Ianthe's stupid ceremony that I, nobody wanted to go to. I can't stand Ianthe. Honestly, one of my least favorite yep. characters I've ever read about. <laughs> I can't stand her. Absolutely. Cannot. Anytime Gosh. she got brought up, I was like, no. No. Just the fact that Farrah's like, and nobody noticed that the rock might have moved four inches because yeah. of a big gust of wind or like, gosh baby you're such a bad bitch i love you <laughs> she's a baddie love it <laughs> it was so good god i hate Anthony so much for real though well in i mean even with that section lucian just plays right into it and he knows what he's doing <laughs> he knows especially at this point that she's doing something because he's hiding a smirk and he can't stand her and Ianthe anyway. Mm -hmm. And so he just goes along with it and dude like bows for her. <laughs> it just makes it he's all like, the better. Be extra. Let's do this. We're going to make a show of it. Go big. Slay queen. For <laughs> <laughs> real though. He's like, I don't know what shit you're up to, but I'm in for this one. <laughs> so good. So good. I'm just like mentally like <laughs> picturing it. The it's fantastic. The, the imagery that I got while reading that it was so good. Because like soon after that is the whole thing about the lost keys, right? Yeah. Because she's trying to like bring yep. back her, because everyone's talking about it. Yeah. So Feyre the blessed one or whatever. Feyre curse breaker the blessed one. <laughs> She, uh she's what's her like other the Daenerys <laughs> mm-hmm straight <laughs> up straight up yeah so so then um what gets in what creature gets in Ooh, that's a good question I don't remember a creature gets in it's like the bog or something it wasn't the bog and it it wasn't a group of Naga was it I don't remember. I really, something I don't gets remember. in yeah. past the border. Yep, something gets past the border, um, and they find that it was because there were missing keys that had been taken to get in, and one of the um, soldiers mm -hmm. um, is missing his keys, and Ianthe's like, "Oh, he needs to be punished," and he essentially remembers that she took the keys. Well, yeah, because he comes forth and doesn't Feyre, like, get into his mind and be like, just tell the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And so he does, like, as he's being presented in front of Tamlin and everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just, like, throws Ianthe under the bus, like, okay, this is what happened. 
And she's like, what? <laughs> what? We, How uh, dare you? Yeah. What a bitch. <laughs> um, I would never. <laughs> I am trying to save this court. <laughs> I think my biggest problem with the this section of the book is the fact that you know Feyre is such a skilled uh Daimati that you know she she has no issues blocking she has no issues blocking the the Highburn twins from using their Daimati powers and we just I, we don't get a lot of that in this section I mean you know she would have been able to really really probably take over the spring court had she been using that but think full about fledged. it with Brianna and Dagden also being Daimati they would have noticed I mean when they they had, would have been paying attention because when they had like that mental thing going on across the table like they immediately knew yeah they knew that she was doing something and they knew that she was blocking out Tam and Lucian and Ianthe's brains from them Mm -hmm. with the shield that she threw up as soon as they were spearing for their mind so well like i definitely do think she could do some damage with that i think it would have been a lot more messy because they would have been like plus like i don't i think at this point the game was just about revenge I don't think, like, obviously, like, Highburn's infiltrated the Spring Court and is using all of their resources and to get to the wall. But right now, the timeline seems to be pretty slow. It right. seems like nothing's probably going to be happening for a little while. Right. We've got time. Right. So I feel like everything that she is motivated by is all anger and revenge driven. I don't think she's thinking, like, well, later on, like, if I can control this court that'll play a big part in the war or anything like that like they know they know war is coming yeah but with with fey lifespans right it could be in a hundred years exactly and that's like nothing they're not expecting it to be so i think she's just she's just mad and she just wants to tear everything that he loves apart and i think that that's her entire intention at this point is revenge Revenge and just to glean info. Mm-hmm. Just our thoughts. I just would have liked to see her use more oh. of that power throughout this section. I, I mean, I agree. I also, I also think she really struggles with that too, in general, going into people's minds. I think uh, morally, she struggles with it. Yeah, but she did it with the guard because she blocked his memories up to that point mm-hmm. and then released him. I don't know. Yeah. I no, mean, I get, I, I get the, the is this right versus the is this wrong and using it and not, but. I gotcha. She's powerful, man. For real. So, uh, Tamlin. Um, ends up siding with Ianthe and the guard gets lashes and Feyre stays and helps clean him up and apologize and like get faith in her and lose faith in 
Tamlin. So just sowing seeds, sowing seeds of doubt. Which honestly, I think was really shitty because Pharaoh was right there saying like, let's hear him out. What For if real? he's telling the truth and he straight up was just like, stop, no. And you're trying to win Pharaoh back and keep her, yet you're siding with another woman. Mm-hmm. What the? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's going to make her feel seen and heard and appreciated as your what you think is going to be wife. And he apparently recognized all the things that he did wrong before Resand and Moore showed up to take her away and apologized for them and realized he was wrong. But yet here yeah, we okay. are in the same damn cycle. Relationships. God, well, toxic. Anyway. Def- definitely is uh, cyclic behavior. It just was such a wrong move on his part. Yeah. Um, during this fa- uh, time, Feyre does manage to uh, discover that Reese's mom and sister's wings were no longer here um, when they were taken. Uh, Tamlin ended up burning them. Then at one point, Feyre and Lucian and the Highburn twins are out looking at the holes in the wall, and she overhears the twins talking about... No, she doesn't overhear them. She's just talking with the twins about what they, what their plan is, and they're essentially saying that that Highburn's army is even more than the Night Court ever anticipated um, with having help from the continent and that the cauldron is going to be used just to, it's going to be used to collapse the wall and essentially just wipe the world clean of what it is right now. And they figured out the spot that they want to use of the holes that they've been looking at in the wall. And uh, they're going to use that to, that spot to just magnify the cauldron, essentially. And um, so Feyre decides at that point she's got everything she needs to know. She's got all the information she's been looking for, pretty much. She is packed up and ready to just leave from that spot because she's not near Tamlin. He's off doing his own thing. She's only out with Lucian and the twins. She's just ready to take off. And um, she gets ready to leave and overhears Lucian um, and Ianthe having it out against each other. And um, This bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, S- this part made me so angry. Yeah. I was I was so upset. But she essentially finds Lucian um, attached to a tree with magic-restricting chains and Ianthe essentially trying to molest him. Mm -hmm. And um, so it takes her back to that vision that she got from Reese about essentially the similar thing, similar situation, and... um, about the vibe that she got from Lucian when he mentioned Cal and May. And she's like, nope, can't leave in good faith without uh, handing this bitch her ass. So, <laughs> so 
Go she, off, queen. Go off. Yeah, so she uses her fun Daymati power and gets into Ianthe's head and makes her let him go and smash her own hand with a rock and tells her that, you know, she's never to touch anybody again if it's not mutually wanted. If she ever Mm -hmm. does that, then worse things are going to happen to her. And um, tells Lucian, you either come with me now or you don't. And uh, so he leaves the spring court with her. I honestly don't think I've ever been more proud of Feyre than in that moment. Yeah, that was really good. I mean, with a really bad situation. It str- I was just so pissed. Like. That was really rough to read. There are no words. Anyway. The fight with uh, Brandon and Dagden after that was really, really cool, though. Yeah, so they run into, Lucian and Feyre run into the twins as they're leaving. And have to take them on, because they're leaving. And um, essentially they let Feyre know that they've been lacing her with Feybane slowly. And um, then a little bit of a heftier dose with her apple at breakfast. And um, yeah, so they gotta fight them off. As uh, Feyre is realizing that her powers are draining. But they win. Yep. Yep. They manage to behead Branna and then stab Dagden after that. And they leave. Which makes travel a little bit more difficult with limited powers. Yeah, because <laughs> so. yeah, Lucian ends up realizing that he had gotten some Feybane too. Not it doesn't seemingly not as much, but yeah. So they end up since they can't just winnow out to wherever because right. their power's gone, they end up going through one of the routes that lead to the Autumn Court, which is also tough it's not an easy road to get back like they leave one really bad situation just to walk into another and there's no way around it well and with not being able to winnow they're literally at the southernmost point of prithian Mm -hmm. needing to get to the northernmost point of prithian having to go through all of these other so it's just like going to as far as you can without your powers and waiting for everything to come back to full extent to where she can either winnow them herself or enough to where she can open up the bond and be like, hey, this is where I'm at. Come, send someone, whatever. Yep, exactly. So they're hiking through the autumn court for, oh, four or five days or so. And, um... Lucian ends up telling her the story of why he is so disliked and being, you know, the youngest of so many brothers and um, the story of his first love and 
how that ended so poorly. Um, and they, like, they stay at one point um, in, like, an old hideout that he had when he was younger, and it's not going too bad. I mean, I think we all know that there's something coming. Something's going to happen. You can't just get through the autumn court with the fallout autumn child without having an issue. <laughs> The timing was very ironic. <laughs> so they get right to the edge of the winter court because, of course, they're almost out, but they can't be out because that's a plot. <laughs> that's a, sounds like a common plot. And um, so they're just, they're waiting there right on the edge um, because winter court's going to be rough to get through and they're hoping that their powers come back in time and they wake up to Lucian's brothers having found them. And uh, they're not having a good time. (laughs) They're not having a good time at this point. (laughs) Eris is there and a couple of the other older brothers. And so they're trying to, you know, find out what's going on. Because rumor has it that they just ran away together. And, I mean, technically they did. But not in that way. And, um... They're fully prepared to just drag Feyre back to Baron um, to essentially gift her back to Tamlin for. Bleh. Yeah. Gift her back. Yeah. <sighs> so Feyre's powers are slowly coming back and she managed to manages to use some of her firepower to attack them and they bolt. And end up crossing over into Winter Court, thinking they're good. <laughs> At no point do they think they're good. They left their cloaks. They left their well, like winter gear. Thinking in that the cave. they thinking that they won't be followed mm-hmm. into Was... the tundra of the Winter Court. Psych. <laughs> but they were wrong. <laughs> that sounds like a plot. <laughs> um, yeah, because they're running across a lake. When they see uh, Eris and the other brothers catch up and Eris is using some of that autumn court fire to melt the ice that they're running on. Which is also a hard place because not everyone knows that Feyre has part of their powers from each court, right, at this point? Well, now they do because right, she used fire before. She's in, yeah. she's in that hard place where she's like, okay, so what do we, had, I do? we had talked about keeping this to ourselves, but yeah. life or death... I choose life. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> so, so yeah. So now it's one of those things to where it's now when they catch her, she knows that it's a have to situation. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. So they know that she's going to get just dragged back. And then who knows what Baron will do if he realizes she quote unquote has some of his power. No, especially Baron. Yeah, absolutely. So she's, finally starting to feel some more of her powers come back again and and she manages to get her ice from the winter court and starts solidifying the the lake again but um they're shooting arrows at him at this point and they've got all of their power so they're like winnowing around and everything and Lucian's fighting two of his brothers and Pharaoh's fighting Eris and they're slowly losing 
because, you know, the odds are just stacked against them at this point. So I think Lucian's um, slowly losing in his battle two-on-one, and uh, Pharaoh uses the last bit of her power before... Eris grabs a hold of her and shackles her wrists and her ankles in fire and and um and then probably one of my top three favorite scenes of this book happens (laughs) (laughs) it's just so good and I've seen some art on this scene and it's just so good no I haven't I should look that up I will show you my favorites (laughs) (laughs) but Cassian and Asriel show up. They had finally detected her out of the spring court, and they were closest, and they show up totally healed from the Highburn situation. Does it have been how long since that happened at this point? A couple months. months and a half, a couple months. That's what I was thinking, around two. Yeah, well, and in this time, Pharaoh wasn't contacting reese down the bond just in case anybody noticed it was just like a little a little touch here or there yeah like down the mental bond but it was very i think it was too scarce two like full contacts ever right in that couple months um oh that yeah were very brief because he asked her if she was okay after the whole tamlin blow up yeah in the office yeah yeah so she didn't have any chance to ask mm-hmm. about cassian and Azrael. Or her sisters. Uh, or her sisters. Yeah. Or, or anything. I think she just asked, like, are they okay? Yeah. They as in a general. Right. And he said they will circle. be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Hmm. Yeah. So. And they, they kick some ass. They kick some ass. What's, what I love, because I absolutely love the relationship of Feyre and Cassian as, like, BFFs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're girlfriends. They are. Yeah. I love it so much because, like. So, Fair is being held by her hair, bound by her wrists and ankles, and and Cassian, instead of just coming over and saving her, he just gives her a look, like, you know what to do. I've taught you how to disarm people, like, (laughs) we've done this in training. And she gets it, and she does it, and she frees herself, and then he, like, does his thing, and I just love it so much. Their relationship is... Where he's just, like, essentially, like... My favorite best friend. Well, he essentially is like, you're not going to be a damsel in distress. Come on. You know what to do. Yeah. So do it. We all need friends like that. Skylar, do your stretches. You know what to do, so do them. <laughs> Gosh. So she then, um, before Cassian and Azriel take them home, she reveals that she's High Lady of the Night Court, lets her glamours down, And lets Eris and his brothers live so that they can take that information back and do with what they will. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. So they get back and Moore is waiting for them and takes care of them and Lucian's awkward and and Reese is rushing home from wherever he had been. And then they have their nice little cute little reunion there. It was cute. It was pretty cute. Okay, so they went to the House of Wind to see the sisters for the first time. Yes. Well, Feyre's first time since being back. Yeah, first time since being back. Feyre and Reese and Cassian and Lucian go to the House of Wind because, of course, Lucian's not going to not go. 
And, of course, Cassian's not going to not go because there's something. Wink, I don't wink. know. He's <laughs> acting some sort of way and, you know, you know. And um, so they find Nesta in the library and Farrah's like, you know, how are you? How's everything going? Like, worried about her and crazy. And she's like, I'm fine. Check on Elaine because she's the one struggling. She won't eat, she won't drink, she won't sleep. She's just crying and catatonic, essentially. Yeah, it was a very subpar meeting, reuniting with her sisters. I feel like, I mean, I don't know what exactly what she expected, but I mean, her sister, Nesta, was just kind of, yeah, yeah, whatever. Elaine's the one you need to be worried about, and something was really wrong with her. Which, like, we have pretty much always gotten the vibe from Nesta that she's, you know, keeps to herself, has the bitchy front, you yeah, know, like offish. Yeah. yeah, constantly. Um I think Cassian tries to talk to her when they get there and she gives him some like shitty comment, you know what I mean? And so like that's normal. I mean, at one point prior to the whole cauldron thing, it seemed like she kind of rekindled a little bit with Feyre because mm-hmm. there was some decency in her conversation at one point. Um, that's all out the window now, though. So, yeah, yeah. just kind of seems like it's back to her standard. Plus, I mean, like they had a major event happen. Yes, they were yeah, yeah. forced into something they didn't want. Yes, not... and she has not seen them since this took place. Not diminishing her trauma yeah. at yeah. all. Yeah, um, just seems like it's kind of back to typical nesta encounters yeah i can't imagine honestly how nervous vera (coughs) how nervous vera must have been because she was so helpless in that situation when they were being just thrown into that cauldron when they were being made yeah yeah oh goosebumps can't so nesta seems like she's back to the only thing she cares about being elaine and um they do see elaine and she Essentially just says, I want to go home. Farrah doesn't know what to say about that. It was really sad. (laughs) It was. It was. She's still wearing that iron engagement ring. Mm -hmm. Just kind of sitting there existing. That's about it. Mm -hmm. And um, so then they leave and they go see Amran and talk about the Book of Breathings which they're finding out now that it's been put back together, it has been known to just talk randomly. Creepy. <laughs> In my opinion. Yeah. Um, and then this is the point where we get to hear a little bit more about Draken and Miriam. Mm-hmm. And how um, someone mentions, you know, trying to find them for preparing for this war and Reese essentially says you know they they've tried they went to the island of is it Critea mm-hmm. that um they had been planning to go to and and live there and they found it abandoned and in ruins so Reese tells the story of of Miriam and Draken and their whole situation with Jurian and Um, the cauldron because Miriam's also made. Um, 
So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. We're getting more into, like, the backstory of others, and I really appreciate it. Yes. Especially not knowing exactly all the details that went on in the first war. And now we're preparing for another one, and there's so many of these pieces that are coming back into play. Yeah. And so I like the little little nuggets. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And it just solidifies how I would love a a prequel, a backstory, a seven backstories, (laughs) (laughs) all of the additional information. Um, but while they're also there, Amran points out that with the holes in the wall and the, um, Hybern's trying to use the cauldron to tear down the wall, that maybe those that were cauldron made or, made in general um could help seal the wall and so that's something that they're considering at this point and i think right right around then is when they decide to try and get an all court high lord meeting around too yeah yeah they finally talk about like you know this is going to take more than just us way more than just us yeah so trying to rally all the court's to band together somehow against Tyburn. And that might not even be enough. Yeah, because, I mean, of course, Tamlin's questionable, Baron's questionable. I mean, Reese has a few that he's he thinks would definitely ally or is pretty sure that would ally. I mean, at one point would have thought Tarquin, but right now, mm-hmm. not so much necessarily. But this is when <laughs> it starts getting really interesting because I love I love the military strategy. Yeah. And like, you know, trying to figure out what card is best to play, what is worth risking and what's not. Yeah. And just going back and forth. And what are you willing to do to get someone on your side? That was another thing that I, I really loved about Throne of Glass. And then mm-hmm. I like it here, too. So it was nice just seeing like how differently those were written, but kind of the same. Sky, you're really into that kind of stuff, too, right? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I've read The Art of War by uh, Sun Tzu. <laughs> Sun Tzu. Yeah, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is f- fantasy fae. <laughs> Magical. Same same deal. Board. Is it up on the shelf behind you? Yeah. I read that a long time ago. I've never anyway, read that one. But... It's so, uh, don't read it. <laughs> it's tough. The Art of War. He's a ancient Chinese philosopher. Mm. Yeah, interesting. But I mean, I can I can get behind the the strategy that they're trying to put into into everything and trying to figure it out. I, this might be my favorite section of this book is between this and the beginning of mm-hmm. the war with Hybern. <laughs> all for the art of war they <laughs> reached too far you gotta tell me this has fairies in it yeah really yeah. same no. <laughs> i was gonna say it. i didn't think so so it's not no. not the same but the going the conversations back and forth thinking through every potential mm-hmm. possible outcome you know it's just it's so good and it was so well written 
And it's just a group of people trying to figure out the best way to come out of this on top. And it's so good. Yeah. A group of people that have admittedly tried to do everything by themselves this entire time Mm -hmm. and now have realized this is bigger than us. You know, this is Prithian as a whole. We got to we got to rally together if we want to continue existing after and this. try and convince other people who think very similarly that this is also beyond a one court battle yeah so yeah. it's a bunch of alpha males coming together and it's just you know that's why we've got our high lady pharaoh <laughs> <laughs> high ladies exist now we're here for it so yeah i think i think you're right this is the conversation where they start talking about hey mm-hmm a meeting needs to happen and everyone needs to be invited. And along with getting all the High Lords together, Reese um, points out that they need to have a meeting with Court of Nightmares because he's got to talk with Kier about his army of Darkbringers. Because that's the that's mm-hmm. one thing that back when everything was all set up and agreed upon and all of that, that... Um, He's got full command of his army. Kier does. Mm -hmm. And Reese can request help, but it can't be forced upon him. I think it's so funny that at one point, it may be further on, but I think it's so funny at one point that when Reese is talking to Kier and he says something about his army, and Kier's like, well, you know, it really is up to me. I don't have to do anything. And Reese is like, yeah, you know, I can't make you help with your army, but I can kill you. Facts. Facts. I'm like, all right. Well. <laughs> What's your answer now, Anne? Yeah. <laughs> um, Why oh. do you keep wearing a sweatshirt over here? <laughs> Jeez. Also, right around now, um, Feyre decides that even if there's only a little bit of time before war starts, she wants to learn how to fly using her shape-shifting wings so that she can fight aerially if she needs to. Um, You know, they know that there's not a whole lot of chance of her being ready by the time war starts, but she wants to have any advantage possible. So Asriel offers to teach her, since he also learned later in life. Good for Which her. I think is pretty cool. Yeah, good for her. Good for both of them. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it? That's it. <laughs> that was the whole book? That was Wings and Ruin, guys. <laughs> the, the ruin part comes when Asriel pushes her off the rock <laughs> and she lands square on her face. She ruins her wings. There we go. <laughs> Um, so Amarin talks to Nesta about fixing the holes in the wall and she surprisingly agrees to do it with little pushing or effort um, just because she wants everybody dead over on that area of the world the king, the human queens everybody so she's down She's down to help, and Amarin's going to start teaching her and training with her. 
I think that's the best fit, honestly. Honestly, for real. Sorry, my breathing is going to be loud today because my head. Um, Ferris starts training again with <clears throat> with Cassian, and um, he's given her a little bit of attitude in this first training session, and she's trying to figure out why and everything, um, and she realizes that he is mad at her, <laughs> that she sacrificed her um, herself, and and he's like, you know, I get that you're, you know, you're Reese's, you're mates, you're, you know, whatever, but you're high lady, so you're also ours. And that was terrifying and essentially equating it to when Reese did the exact same thing and then was gone for 50 years. Mm-hmm. And that is just like one of the most touching scenes to me, honestly. It was, it was very heartwarming because obviously you expect it between recent Feyre but Mm -hmm. seeing how deep the relationships go outside of those two yeah yeah it's it's big stuff I mean that's he truly loves her absolutely like thinks so highly of her and adores her that when she sacrificed herself it just almost broke him Mm -hmm. he was so scared yeah but it was it was nice yeah very touching yeah, like I said, this their friendship is one of my top favorite relationships in this series. Take note, Lucian. This is how you should have acted the whole time. <laughs> for real. I had high hopes for that relationship. I know. It comes back, however. Lots of bumps. <laughs> Pharaoh's trying to find ways to help with literally everything going on and um talks to reese about the library um, hoping that they can go and just do some research into things find some information that might help them regarding this whole thing so he takes her to the library of the night court where she meets like the head priestess there um who can't or won't talk. Um, She finds out that it's a sanctuary for women who have been abused or traumatized or um, something of the sort, which is awesome. Yeah, I love that. That there is that. And that it's that space, like a library. That just seems perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just like that they created something like that. For I mean, real. I mean, it's something, you know, when it's, you know, from within, but the fact that, you know, it's recognized by Reese himself, that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I like the story of him actually creating the library where he's like, yeah, I kicked out all those old douchey scholars and they were pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like him. So they are looking through books. Um, Clotho, the priestess, has gotten some around. Um, 
that she thinks might be of help to them. And they're looking through things and looking around the library and they Feyre realizes that it goes way down into like a black pit um, and asks what's down there and Reese essentially says that he doesn't know and he dared Cassian to go down there once and he came back up terrified so nobody really knows except Cassian and he won't speak about it. Um, and then they do some fun teasing banter and end up finding not a whole lot of information <laughs> enough that just says that the wall was never meant to be permanent it was meant to be a te- temporary um thing while humans and fairies figured their stuff out so it's bound to come down at some point long temporary wall for real The wall. So this this confuses me a little bit. Mm-hmm. We know that the war took place on this specific island between the humans and the Fae and Hyver, right? Mm-hmm. Does the wall stretch just across the island? Or does the wall circle the whole world? The wall goes over onto the continent. So it does circle the whole world. Uh, it circles the whole world. We don't know what the well, world is. It could be a flat, flat. It could be flat Earth, you know. You know? <laughs> but um, it goes across the island of Prithian. You know, the big, right. big old it, island of it. It doesn't Prithian. quite cut it in half. It. I mean, no, not even a little are... bit. It's tiny. The human lands are right. tiny at the bottom, um, but it, the wall does go over into the continent because at one point I don't remember what book, but it's mentioned that the humans got such a little section of this region you know why couldn't they keep their tiny little section i mean it's not like the section that the humans got over in the continent which is a lot bigger i don't remember that but okay i couldn't tell you what book or where it's hard to differentiate between all of them other than the main large points that's why I'm letting you lead the story. <laughs> and you're doing great, by I've the way. I've got the notes. <laughs> I feel like, the, I don't know, the wall coming down is scary. People don't like change. Well, I mean, and it's could literally be detrimental to the human survival. Mm-hmm. Um, Not that the humans were doing much surviving on... I mean, some, some, of, some of them were. Yeah, some of them were. Some of them were I living mean, pretty fine. Honestly, the Archerons were, other than until a few years yeah. of time. And so. then it took the Fae coming in to save their asses to get them back on track. Yep. So, um, after this... After this, um, Feyre has decided that she thinks it could be beneficial to talk to the Bone Carver and see what could be done to sway him into helping on their side of the war. So they end up heading to the prison. And. Is this just her and Cassian? Well, Reese winnows them. 
to the oh, region. He's, yeah, he stands outside. And then he's got to go do yeah, yeah. something. And um, so it's Farah and Cassian that go in. And... Because this is when she realizes who the bone carver is presenting as, correct? When she click, 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 figures it out? Or is that later? Mm, nope. I think that's later. Isn't it? No, it's not. No. I don't remember. I don't remember. I remember Cassian was there. <laughs> then it's probably now. I don't remember if he went more than once with her. <laughs> so, um... Do you want to do this another time? Uh, no, I'm okay. I can go for another 45 minutes because that's all you've got anyway. So we're okay. <laughs> so Cassian is telling her quietly stories about um, the carver and the, essentially just the little bit that he knows. And he essentially says that as far as he knows that he's one of the quote unquote old gods. Um, he just told her that he's essentially dangerous and they'd have to figure out a way to bind him into obeying before they could even consider letting him out and that nobody even knows how he got into the prison because he's been there that long. Hmm. And, um, yep, it is at that point that they're talking that... Feyre realizes when looking at the carver that that it is um, her son, her possible son, the son that she could one day have with Reese if they get to live that long. And that's who he's presenting as to her. So cute. It's interesting. It is. It's definitely interesting. Fun fact, while they are walking down the stairs, Cassian is like jumpy <laughs> the entire time he's like you don't know what kind of beast i've put in here and i just and I he's love... talking about lanthus right i think so i Did think so say too. lanthus i, I don't remember. remember if he does at this point but he's i think that's who he's referring he's talking to. about lanthus <laughs> but it's so funny because you know it's not very often that you hear cassian being scared and then like Two times in four chapters, they're like, oh, yeah, he pissed himself in the library, and he almost refuses to go into the prison. That's so funny. We all got fears, man. <laughs> Poor his guy. Are, his are just big, bad monsters. <laughs> um, before they leave, and Feyre gives um, the carver the adder's bones... He mentions that he, um, the carver kind of seems, um, apprehensive, which is weird because he's the epitome of cool and confident this entire time, but he kind of seems apprehensive when he mentions, uh, quote unquote, she that came out of the cauldron and, and mentions how... Nesta's name has made it all the way over here and um, he's like essentially is like I don't know what she is but she's something she's she's not wholly of this world at this point so that's interesting girl Nesta is going to rule the world one day she's going to do something 
Rule it, set it on fire. I'm not sure yet, but <laughs> all all of the above. Man. The carver says that he um doesn't want to go home, which is what Feyre offered in exchange for helping them in the war, is to break his confinement uh, spell essentially using the Book of Breathings and to send him home wherever that may be. Um, but he says, no, nah, I don't want to go home. This cell's my home. I'm, I live here now. This is where I want to be. This is what keeps me safe from my siblings, which we know one of them is the Weaver. Um, whose name is Draga. And then his brother, who is out there also, and his name is Koshe. So he likes to stay there because apparently he is, did he say he was the least powerful of the three? Mm-hmm. Which is terrifying. Also, did anyone else see that coming? I didn't see it coming that his sister was the weaver. I don't know. I, I don't I remember. Didn't. I don't remember when I first read it, but I feel like I got, I knew there was like a connection somehow because it's like the carver the weaver mm. what are we gonna get the something else you know but, the brother <laughs> i think i think i put this together and the carver foretells death the weaver obviously weaves it and then Koshay deals death so like there's there's like the three sides of of death of death Okay, are you imagining the three old ladies that cut the string in Hercules? That's exactly what I imagine. <laughs> the fates? Yeah. yeah. One's got their eye popping out. No, they share an eyeball. <laughs> oh, yeah. They share an eyeball. Yep. With, like, their three little hairs? Yeah. Interesting. I think it's off topic, but I do think it's interesting seeing the... Um, the representation and the um, interpretation of the fates across different media by different, you know, Mm. authors or um, whatever it is for movies, writers, (laughs) you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Because I've read a couple other books that are just, you know, Greek story retells, of course, that have the fates in them. And I just think it's so interesting to see, like, similarities between all, but the way that they're done so differently interesting 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 yep so well correct me if i'm wrong this this series is based more off like it's one of the mythologies i can't remember which one it was though it's not norse Gosh darn it, I don't remember what I read. It might have been Greek. Just there there are ties yeah. between this and... Yeah, because like the Illyrians were in Greek. Right. In ancient Greece. Um, so it's not a stretch for, mm-hmm. you know... It to be a... Uh, a tie like a mirroring yeah. yeah 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 for sure so um yeah so he essentially points out that you know he's not about to um go back out in the world where his brother and sister are 
Um, essentially, he has been confined to the prison, and Striga, the weaver, um, has been confined to the middle, and Koshe was confined and bound to the continent. He mentions that a while ago, a fey warrior tricked Striga into being confined to the middle, and Koshe was confined and bound to the continent, and that that warrior was clever, but her bloodline is long gone, but a trace still runs through some human line. <clears throat> and that that warrior couldn't kill his siblings, they were too strong, um, but he managed to make his way to the prison and has remained there ever since to hide from his siblings because they are all death gods. Um, and so he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to leave the prison. He doesn't want his siblings to remember that he even exists. He's just good hanging out in his place, collecting information, playing with his bones. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> what? That's what I want retirement to look like. In just, prison? Just hanging out in my own space. Collecting info. Playing with bones. That's all I need. <laughs> Sounds perfect. That's all I need. Sounds perfect. So he does say <laughs> that um, he has one thing that he would consider receiving to be convinced to be on their side for the war and let them let him out essentially and it is the Ouroboros mirror um, it used to be his sisters and it um, is now owned by Kier so if they can collect it then and bring it to him then he will fight on their side seems easy enough yeah, yeah just go get the mirror just get a mirror. Yep. No problem. So a little while after that, um, I think they end up going back to the House of Wind um, fairly soon after that and just visit with the sisters again. Essentially, Elaine is still struggling. And at this point, she's like speaking in riddles and they're all kind of getting a little concerned for her. She's just, like, rambling things or not talking at all. And, um, they, half the time she's not recognizing recognizing anybody. Um, sometimes she'll shake herself out of it and then she's crying again, so. Because they're worried, like, the cauldron is making her go crazy. Yes. Yep, exactly. Um. They try to have Lucian talk to her, just seeing if something can be a little different with them having a mating bond. But um, she essentially says, who are you? And then reminds him that uh, he betrayed them in Highburn. And and that's, that's about it. There isn't, there isn't much there next day or something is when they finally go to the Court of Nightmares and 
Nesta and Amron go off to practice Nesta's um, searching for ancient artifacts, seeing if she can detect those after they've been practicing and um, all of that. And then Reese and Farah have Kier in a meeting where they talk about his army and um, he essentially says that, ah, well, in payment, I want Feyre. <laughs> Which I'm like, dude, Bold. the audacity. Bold. <laughs> and um, so Moore is there and Azriel's there and... After Reese um, lights into Kier about that request or comment or whatever, um, he brings Eris in. And Moore is obviously um, not thrilled with that. WTF, dude. Yeah, she's she's feeling a little betrayed at this point that Reese invited Eris and didn't mention anything to anybody. Seems to be a uh, common practice for Reese to just. He likes that surprise factor. Yeah, yeah. Or he doesn't <laughs> doesn't want to burden anybody ahead of time <laughs> or something. Um. Mm-mm. Yeah. So, Eris is offering here an alliance with the Autumn Court in exchange for help in the war. And Kier still says that's not enough, and he says he knows about Valaris and wants access for him and his court, which, that's major. Mm. That's major. Valaris has taken quite a hit lately with the not being secret anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Feyre's not about it. She's talking down the bond, saying don't do this. Moore's obviously... She distraught and um reese essentially says yes but there will be conditions and restrictions but it still doesn't seem good enough i don't think it seems good enough i think that's i thought that was crazy but i think the issue comes is that he made this decision without discussing it with the others and i think that they were all under the idea that they were doing this together things that were going to be brought upon yeah you know they were going to take all that on together instead he's making that decision for everyone else yep and they are all going to be burdened with it well and a decision that he knows is really going to hurt morgan on an intrinsic level exactly it's so personal for her yeah and it just felt was very disregarded and i know he didn't mean it that way yeah. As the part that comes later when she lays into him for it. Yep. But he put the war above his friend at this point, and there was no discussion. He is thinking and acting on his own like he's been used to for a good long time. He's making the hard decisions. He's doing what he has to do without I consulting mean, anybody. I mean, and he's acting no different than any other any other high lord really 
So, I mean, they don't all treat their courts like their friends like he does. It's different with him and his friends. Yeah. And I think that they know that, which is why this is like a punch to the gut. Well, and even even more so, um, you know, it's one thing if if at some point he feels he has to make an executive decision as the high lord. Right. Regarding disregarding, you know, the you know, his friend's feelings. That's understandable, though. They would get that. But another, you know, a whole other point of that is he's not the only high whatever of the court. Mm -hmm. He didn't consult Feyre either, Mm -hmm. and she is just as much a leader of this court as he is at this point. Well, not even just allowing Kier to come to Valaris, but then also bringing in Eris. Like, that. no one knew what was happening. Yeah, no, none of that. Everyone was completely blindsided by that meeting, and the only person that knew anything was Reese. Yeah. Azriel knew. Oh yeah, you're right. Azriel knew oh, because yeah. yeah, because he found or Eris found Azriel, right? And that's how that even got started. Was that Eris wanted? But Azriel didn't didn't know that Reese was already planning for Kier to request being in Valaris. Not not the Kier part, no. Yeah, because Reese saw that coming. But the Eris part, yes. Yeah. But then Azriel, Azriel agreed. Mm-hmm. With Reese's I mean, decision, Spymaster, he's thinking very similarly. I feel like he's—they've—I think they have the closest thinking mindset, honestly. He's, the two of them. Um. Well, I mean, Azriel's kind of doing a, a similar thing that that Lucian did for Tamlin. He is following along in the what he assumes is the best interest of his High Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Even it's to a hard fault. to fault one and not fault the other, and yeah, it was a crazy meeting. It was. Everyone left there pissed off for real, and 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 um, so Feyre tells Kier, "Fine, but we need the Orboros mirror," and he says, "Sure, have it. It can be your mating present if you can take it, because apparently, if you look into it." Anybody who's tried has gone crazy or has had their mind broken beyond repair. And, um, so now she's apprehensive. It's not just going to get a mirror. It's going to get a mirror that can make you go crazy. (laughs) So, um, we do get a little, a little snippet here, um, between Moore and Reese and Feyre and Eris that makes me have questions because <laughs> because um, you know Moore is on the defensive essentially saying what do you want why are you here what what's going on and yeah what's your game here yeah and and you know why would you come around here, come around me, make my life more of a hell than it's already had been made by you and yours. And, um, Eris essentially says, you don't, you know, you don't know everything everything, Mm -hmm. and you're not telling your whole story. And, you know, you, you don't know some things, but you realize other things and you're not saying them. And, and this, Left a whole mysterious aura of... Left you wanting more. Yeah. Where is this coming from? What do you mean? Exactly. Essentially, we got 
more questions. And one of them is about Eris's involvement in Lucian and his past lover and how it wasn't quite like Eris's portion was not quite what it's been made to mm-hmm. be seemed. And then also Eris and Morgan's past and her whole event. Um, and that there's something there that nobody else knows. Or at least we don't know. And we get the feeling that other people don't know just with how Eris has alluded to the mystery of it. The not quite being whole truths. It was really it was really good because it did make you think like, well maybe Eris isn't as bad. Based on what he's saying, maybe he's not a hundred percent the villain that yes. we have been told he is exactly because you know there's so always three sides to a story <laughs> just saying amanda that's such a you quote i know <laughs> like that's that's it, such a you true. thing but it but it is questionable you know him coming i think i think Moore is completely right in questioning him like what's your angle and all this what do you yeah. want out of this yeah and he does essentially tell them that he is planning whenever he does run for king he wants their support yeah he wants their support in his bid to be high lord against his brothers and um is heirs the oldest yeah yeah okay. yeah uh, and so essentially he leaves and right before he leaves he tells more that you know i wouldn't have touched you this it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been what you thought it would have been i regret how it was and one day, they both would eventually tell the whole truth, and and he'd reveal what it cost him. I'm kind of mad and that he left... made that comment because I think that is so so shitty. Like, you can obviously tell that this girl's pissed off about what just happened with her dad, right? Yeah, whatever. But then you're gonna open this fucking can of worms. And leave her thinking that maybe it's different or maybe she's trying, he's trying to justify himself and she's just going to get more mad. Like, just let it be. Well, okay. I, I viewed that a little differently because firstly, I think more open the can of worms because I think she brought up the topic that it seems like she brings up each time. I think I thought that she brought it up originally. I just don't see what good is going to come out of it. So I don't know why I say anything. And then his comment about, you know, about whole truths eventually needing to come to light. It didn't make me think that it left her wondering exactly what was going on. It gave me the impression that he was saying, I'm hiding things about this situation, but you know you're hiding things about this situation too. It makes me think that there's something more with more that she hasn't, like, about the situation that she hasn't revealed in the mm. last however many years. Mm. I got I got the feeling that there was, yeah, more to Eris's story of this, but I, I got the feeling that there's more to Moore's also. Hmm. I Interesting. Know. I didn't take it that way. I definitely did. Um, and I think, because this is the section where we, he... He says that, you know, he wasn't there for Lucian's yes. former lovers. Yes. He, yeah, 
because it was right after that that he got he, he did what he could to get Lucian out right and get him to the border of the spring court right where Tamlin could take him then so following that I'm like you know obviously we're not wholly bad yeah we're we're making Eris out to be a lot worse than he might actually be obviously he's not good mm-hmm but we know that, you know, Bad and good if or... he was raised by his mother, who <laughs> seems like a semi-decent person at this point in the book. I mean, she's helped Feyre. She's so, yeah. I mean, you know, she seems pretty oppressed. Ugh. I don't. I don't hate Eris as much after this section of the book as I did prior prior yep absolutely yep so they went back to the townhouse and more and reese have it out that's rough because they are so close they have always been so close they are each other's people mm-hmm. and and that was that was really rough. They neither they both left there with hurt hearts at the end of that conversation. And um I think at that point in time they finally chat with Amrin after getting the mirror um and she finds out they went to see the bone carver and Somebody finally, for the first time ever, asks Amran how she got out. No, it's not for the first time ever. They finally ask her how she got out of the prison. And, you know, she says she doesn't want to answer it or I don't talk about that or whatever. And Reese finally pulls the High Lord card and says, you don't have a choice. You're going to tell us. And and I, I think that's like the first time ever he's really pulled rank on her because you know everyone's terrified of her i i liked that portion that just showing that she couldn't just do whatever the hell she wanted infinitely mm-hmm. you know yeah. pointing out that she still is second i don't know thought mm-hmm. it was a nice little part um so she essentially says that um she had to give herself up who she is intrinsically to get out of the prison because she couldn't go out as the same as she went in. Um, She had to become something else entirely that the prison would not recognize or detect. So she bound herself into a fey body and uh, that's how she got out. And all we got about her backstory in there um, essentially was that um, back in whatever realm she came from, one day a rip appeared in the sky of her world and all of her brothers and sisters fled, but she was curious and wanted to look and that's how she got trapped here, which she points out that her as her kind, was not meant to be curious or wanting or opinionating of any sort. They were just there for 
mm-hmm. existing in terror. <laughs> I love that. So she says that she has always had always been a little different than what she was supposed to be, quote unquote. Um, they talk about that if, um, cause they, you know how they offered the Carver being unbind, unbound from, um, the prison and be able to, being able to go home. So they ask her about that and she essentially says, if I'm ever unbound from this fey body, I won't remember you. I won't remember anything. Mm-hmm. It, and it'll be catastrophic. Um, she essentially says that she was originally a soldier and, um, wrathful and she doesn't even remember the name she was born with. And, um, it's all very vague. Like, it's all very, um, I don't know, sounds pretty, uh, cataclysmic or whatever if it's, you know, that's something that happens, but everything's really vague. I think they end that area with Elaine just doing some more rambling. Um, Something about hearing a woman crying and seeing old hands and... um, That's where she talks about like the two ravens. No, not yet. She rambles about that later, but this Mm -hmm. is... Yeah, this one is just about seeing... She rambles a lot seeing hands turn Poor old girl. hands turn turn old with age and hearing someone crying that she says um they think she's dead but she's not and they're like who <laughs> um they're getting some responses from the high lords helian's going to come to the meeting theson says yes but it has to be a very specific neutral and safe location Callius um says yes but he wants to bring armed guards which they were hoping it just be only the high lords and maybe a couple emissaries or whatever um spring autumn summer haven't replied and more and reese make up and after Reese realizes and admits that he made a bad call. So then they call a healer to come check out Elaine because at this point they're thinking that something's gone wrong with her mind due to the cauldron. And lo and behold, the healer finds nothing wrong with her physically. And mentally she can't check on anything because elaine's got an ironclad iron wall on her mind so she rambles a little bit more after that and mentions that twin ravens are coming one white and one black um Finally, they get responses after that from all of the High Lords that have agreed to come, except for Tamlin. And after much back and forth, they agree for Theson to host. 
exciting stuff. It's at the Dawn Court. Yeah, because Helion, yes. Helion's day. So. Yes. so after this, we get the another fun little bit of backstory because Fair is training with Azriel and um, Az tells her that Cassian and Reese taught him to fly um, because he was not able to through his childhood due to abuse and trauma and Reese ended up telling Azriel a story once when he was very discouraged and it was the story of Nefel which I just loved. I loved that. And I loved hearing that story even more through the graphic audio mm-hmm. <laughs> than I did. I think I consumed it better this second time reading through it because the first time reading through, I'm like, I don't know these characters. I don't know these characters. What is the point right. <laughs> of this section? Um, but yeah, I really liked that little bit of backstory about Nafel and the other Seraphim and yeah. What's up? I think I agree. I think the graphic audio really shined a light on this section of the book. Yeah. I mean, because you got a whole, audio scene right of it as i mean the book does a really good job of you know laying it out and and explaining it but man that graphic audio too it's hard to read a book after listening to those <laughs> it's true <laughs> you're not wrong so after that they are Back at the House of Wind, hanging out with Elaine again, letting her ramble. And at this point, she just offhandedly says to Cassian, oh, hey, he snapped your wing and broke your bones. And he's like, oh, that's okay. It'll take a lot more than that to kill me. And she's like, no, it won't. Leaves it at that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, but this is like when your kid says something really creepy to you. Like at four or five years old, and you're just like, what? It just stops you in your tracks, and you're like, can we not talk I, like that? I literally watched a TikTok video today where this mom was talking about how um, her daughter woke her up in the middle of the night, just staring at her, and goes, "Mommy, I can't go back to sleep because I'm scared of what's under the bed." And yes, she's just yes, like, that one, and, and she's she, like, "Fuck!" Now I'm scared of what's yes, under the I bed, but that. I can't tell her that. I saw that today too, and. I was dying, yes. dying, and I was just like, every every mom is thinking that. For real. No joke. And this girl, the, the little girl tries to go back to sleep, and then a couple minutes later, she sits up and looks right at the TV. This is a dark, black, dark room. You can't see where the TV's at, but she looks at the TV, and she tells her mom, who's on the TV? And she's like, you tell me. You're the one seeing ghosts. <laughs> she's like, no one's on the TV, but now I'm not going back to bed because who's under my bed? Who's on the TV? Mm-hmm. So That's funny. So freaking scary when your kids do things like that. This is the exact same thing. I hate it. Cause like it won't take it won't no it won't take that much. Ugh. Close, cause kids are extra creepy. But yeah, and you just see like dark in their eyes. <laughs> no, Ooh, like black no. eyed children. <sighs> Turn. <laughs> 
Go listen to Too Soft, everybody. I the am. Black Eyed Children episode. I'm out. I'm out. I can't do that. There's very few paranormal fears Mm-mm. I have in this world. That is one of them. Yeah. Nope. No, thank you. We're not doing that. Not about that life. Mommy, will you look under the bed? No. Heck no. <laughs> no. You can go, go look under sleep. the bed. <laughs> Oh my gosh, she broke your wings and your bone. Creepy. (laughs) It's so creepy. Yeah, no thank you. Especially since they think she's literally going crazy. For real. And she's got some weird made magic from the cauldron. You don't know what's going on up there. What is that doing to her? Yeah. Well, the problem is, at this point, between her and Nesta, they're all like, the cauldron did something to both of these two. We have no fucking clue what it is. No. Nesta's none. just creepy. She's just angry all the time. And Elaine she only... She radiates sp- power. <laughs> yeah. Elaine only speaks in cryptic riddles. Yeah, for real. Everything's fine. It really... Yeah, it's fine. We're it really all fine. bestowed them with great power. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Even the bone carver's scared of one of them. <laughs> That's freaking saying and something. He's a death god. <laughs> We're all fine. <laughs> Talk about stress. Jesus. <laughs> so after that, um, Farrah takes Nesta to the library and. Um, they that was my dun 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 no. <laughs> thought you were flying <laughs> dun, dun, dun. and so they're looking around trying to find some things i don't remember what they're looking for exactly but they're going down and then all of the sudden there are like they feel some sort of presence tremor something and they both stop in their tracks, and they're like, oh, God, what the hell? There's there's something going on. What's going on? And um, they turn around, and two high fae appear, and they realize that they're Hybern's men. And they get some fae bane on Feyre, so she doesn't have her magic, and... They notice that one's got really dark hair and one's got, like, white hair. And they say that they are the king's ravens and that they've come to take Nesta. Because she took something from the cauldron when she was in there and the king wants it back. Which is why the cauldron can't do a whole lot like shattering the wall right now because it, Nesta took something. Doesn't have all its pieces. Yeah. So she grabs Nesta, makes a run for it, going down instead of up toward the ravens, um, just putting faith in whatever is down there in that pit that Cassian's so terrified of. And Her instincts are very interesting. Hoping that everything comes out okay. <laughs> I feel like that's the majority of what it is. Let's just hope for the best, yeah. guys. <laughs> Let's put all of us in danger. And just hope that we get out of it. <laughs> Are you guys ready for another library chasing? <laughs> How many did we have in Throne of Glass? So many. 
You know what? I bet if they look behind a tapestry, there's a hidden door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So they're running these quote unquote ravens are like talking them. Yeah. Talking to them as they hunt them down and telling them about the mortal queens that wanted to go into the cauldron to be made immortal. And that's why Nesta and Elaine were the testers. And, um, they say that the first queen went in the youngest one Mm -hmm. that valued her beauty and the cauldron was pissed because right before that Nesta took something from it. And so it enacted some vengeance and spit her out as an old woman. And then none of the other queens would go in. She's mortal, but she's old now. So, um, yeah. So it was mad. And it reminds me of Howl's Moving Castle. <laughs> I can see that. So, Pharaoh realizes at this point in time that somehow, in some weird roundabout way, that Elaine has been trying to warn them because she connects this with the comment about the black and white ravens that oh, Elaine mentioned. Yeah. And then the hands turning old. And the hands turning old. Mm-hmm. So, um, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So she, she's got some connection going on there and she tells Nesta, you know, I'm going to create a diversion. I'm going to block this path. You run, head up, go find somebody and we'll, you know, I'll handle this. And so she, uh, fair keeps running down and is like yelling for help and finally she hears a voice <laughs> and asking if she's high lady and what will she give for help and she she essentially says you know I'll I'll help you what do you want and um it essentially just says I want some company to tell me about life and the goings on of the world these monsters are just sad. I freaking <laughs> yeah. love Bryaxis. Yes, for yeah. real. Mm-hmm. And um, it tells Feyre to keep her eyes closed, and that, and and she says, "Okay, I'll I'll bring you company." And she feels a bargain be made, and a new tattoo form on her, mm-hmm. and um, she keeps her mouth shut. And then this being. Uh, goes to town on the Ravens. The audio was intense. Yeah, it was. Ugh. <laughs> this voice creeped me out for one. Mm-hmm. And then you heard the the minute screams in mm-hmm. the background, and yeah, ugh. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So um, while it's going to town on the Ravens, Cassian shows up. And tells her to keep her eyes shut and gets her out and meets back up with Nesta. And then Reese finally shows up and, honestly, and goes down there. If you want another act of how much Cassian loves Feyre, he went down there knowing that that, that Abraxas was down there. Nope. Bryaxis. Bryaxis. <laughs> I'm thinking Throne of Glass. <laughs> yep. But knowing that he was down there and was terrified of him and yep. went to save her anyway. Yep. That's his high lady. He loves her, man. For real. 
yeah, so, um, that was that. So, they, they get back, um, and Nesta and, well, no, Feyre, essentially, is telling Reese and everybody what happened. Amron's gonna go on the hunt to make sure that no other Hibern anybody's are around, and Elaine mentions something about the Cursed Queen, the one with the feathers of flame. And at that point, with what Feyre had said and everything else going on and more ramblings from Elaine, Asriel realizes that Elaine was made a seer by the cauldron. Whereas Nesta took something from the cauldron, Elaine was given some powers. By the cauldron she's not crazy and as soon crazy. as soon as that's pointed out it's like a fog is lifted from her mm-hmm. and she immediately is like you get the vibe of she's like finally somebody got it right <laughs> <laughs> So that mystery is solved. You know, one of many mysteries. Hmm. That was a really good section of the book. Yeah, it was. So I'm really curious what'll come of the the company that Briaxis wants. Like, what is, what was that? What did they mean by that? I know, right? Potato, (laughs) potato. Hello, bookish friends. Thank you for listening to part one of A Court of Wings and Ruin. Check back in next week for part two. And if you liked what you heard and you heard what you liked, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also email us at acobabpodcast at gmail.com. And please check out the Golden Mojo website. That is goldenmojoent.com. You can also check out the other podcast from Golden Mojo Entertainment on Mondays. That's the Call Guys. On Tuesdays, Golden Image Podcast. On Wednesdays, the United States of Paranormal. On Thursdays, the Golden 80s and Indiana Chiefs fans. On Fridays, the Murk Nerds. Read with you later.